One of the things that makes this the most effective advertising campaign in the world. So effective is the use of humor. Using humor to promote a professional development program like the Master of Advertising Effectiveness might seem unusual, but in fact, humorous advertising is among the most effective advertising. Yet the use of humor has declined considerably in recent years, which is the exact opposite of funny. To learn more about what makes advertising effective, head over to mae.academy. That's mae.academy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wark Podcast. My name is Rika Fogundo, and I'm the Asia editor. Today, we are going to deep dive into anime, a subculture that many of us have probably heard about, but know very little about, outside of mainstream titles such as Pokemon. That is rapidly changing. According to data from Parrot Analytics, demand for anime content has actually increased by 118% over the last two years. It's no surprise given the increasing importance that tapping into subcultures and communities has for marketers trying to reach consumers. I admit I am definitely not an anime expert, much to the dismay of my partner who keeps trying to get me to watch more anime with him. Maybe, who knows, after chatting with my guest, I'll be more convinced. But that's why I brought in an expert, Robin Lau, Global Strategist of Digital and Entertainment at Dentsu. He'll be telling us why anime is becoming a cultural force, why marketers should be paying attention to this, but that includes understanding some of the common misconceptions that we might have about anime, including who exactly is an anime fan, and what can marketers do to effectively reach this massive fandom. On that note, hello, Robin, and thanks for joining me on the Warg podcast. Hey, Rika. Always great, you know, to be working with you. Um, you know, I'm super curious as to, like, you know, what your partner has been forcing you to watch. Oh, um, I'm very bad with titles. I want to say Genshin Impact, but just that's because I know there's been a lot of marketing activity on that. But you can school me and then I can <laughs> find out and I can tell you about that um, later. Uh, which brings me actually to the very first question. Please educate me and people who are listening. Like, what exactly is anime and what makes it so compelling and so different as a genre of entertainment and, and content? You know, growing up as kids, um, you know, a lot of times our parents tell us that they think anime is just Japanese cartoons. And a lot of people still think that way. And, you know, and I'm going to go in a little bit into like how anime is made. Uh, and that will really help shape the conversation that we have today. I think the big thing to understand is that anime actually originates from a print industry. Um, so, you know, so going into a little bit into how it's made, um, you know, it's not known that a lot of anime and manga authors are also often the artists uh, for their own comics as well. Um, they're often scouted, you know, scouted or hired, and they're brought into, uh, you know, a publishing company. So, you know, a lot of these publishing companies, they will debut a lot of these new titles from these new artists on what is called like a weekly or bi-weekly magazine. Um, so what it looks like, it, it doesn't really look like a magazine, um, you know, for all you listeners out there, but I'll just describe it. It, it looks like a mini phone book, except that it's entirely Japanese comics. You know, and they publish this comic magazine like every week or bi-weekly. And the titles that perform well in this weekly debut magazine uh, then go on to become full-fledged manga series. And you know, the, the best performing, you know, best-selling manga series would then become animated series. You know, short form, we call it anime as well. Anime was originally intended as a form of advertising for these print products. 
but you know, in a lot of markets where, you know, maybe these print print products are not as relevant, you know, anime has actually become the main point of contact for a lot of these titles as well, or you know, the main interaction or the main experience, if you call it. It's so interesting to think that anime is actually not cartoons, which is the way that we perceive it now, but it started off in print. So just curious, why is that distinction so important to understand in terms of maybe, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but mm. like in terms of how you collaborate um, with, you know, these authors or these designers of, of anime? Yes, I, I think the main thing is that with um, maybe Western cartoons or Western uh, movies, right? we have what we call kind of like a pilot episode. And then that pilot episode is put through customer testing focus groups. Whereas in, in the way anime is made like this, it already goes through many levels of like customer testing, reader testing, um, as well as a lot of feedback and rounds of revisions from the manga editors. So the authors don't work inside, you know, just by themselves. They have editors who uh, guide and help them uh, and convey the feedback and give suggestions as well. And I think this dynamic is very important to understand because a lot of times when we do anime collaborations or brand collaborations with anime titles, um, you know, there's many levels of like approvals and permissions that we have to get. And ultimately, the original author and artist and his editor uh, are the final uh, decision makers, you know, as to whether your campaign will go ahead, uh, whether your ideas are good. Uh, you know, it's very important to respect kind of like their feedback and how they view their own artwork as well. How is anime different from animation? You know, and I say this because in my debate with my with my partner, he's like, Rika, you watch Disney like all the time. Like, why can't I get you to watch anime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but is there a difference between anime and um, animation? Because maybe that's maybe the point of reference that a lot of audiences, our listeners rather, um, have of this kind of um, product. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, let, let's start with like the term, right? So like the term anime is basically, you know, a Japanese short form for animation. Uh, it's, it's kind of like how festival in Japan is usually printed as like fest or festa. So it's just a type of short form. Uh, essentially, you know, they are kind of like one in the same in a sense that, you know, oh, it's moving pictures. It is actually a form of cartoons as well. I think it's just that today when we say anime, we refer specifically to um, that Japanese style of animation as well. I think that's one thing. And I think the other thing that makes Japanese animation very unique and very distinct, right? I think one is, uh, you know, definitely a lot of the artwork. You know, you look at the artwork and you know, okay, this is Japanese artwork. This is Japanese anime. This is from a Japanese manga. Uh, you know, it's very distinct. It's very unique. But at the same time, also very, um, you know, relatable and expressive as well. So, you know, one thing that a lot of people say about anime is that you can have a manga or an anime that depicts people from different races or people in different countries, but they all have the same Japanese art style. So, you know, it's very unique and distinct, but at the same time, still very relatable. Um, whereas I think in, you know, Western cartoon, West, uh, you know, Western cartoon, Disney, it's, it, a lot of it comes from kind of like an art concept. Um, I, I mean, not to say that there's no art concept in Japanese uh, anime and manga, but I think uh, the art in a lot of Western uh, cartoons and media, the art concept plays a very big role in what the character is, how the character is portrayed as well. 
That's really interesting. And I'm going to make a mental note to talk about it later because you're, you know, in marketing, we talk about distinctive brand assets, but anime in itself has its own distinctive brand assets, a style and how you bring that together in new ways be really interesting. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, we know that anime started in Japan and for longest time, it's been considered very niche. So why do you think it's becoming a more popular genre of content among consumers in the region or even globally? Yeah, I, you know what? This is this question, and I get it a lot. We, we get it a lot. Um, so I think there's definitely a few key factors. The biggest one, of course, being, you know, streaming and all other digital entertainment, uh, you know, really started to blossom during the pandemic as well. You know, we always say like when the tide rises, all the boats would flow. And especially during the pandemic was a time when uh, people really, really needed entertainment, right? So basically all things... All, everything that was on streaming did well, essentially. Um, you know, the second, of course, being like a very big change in consumer mindset and self-perception. Um, I think in the past, you know, people were led by sort of like aspirational models, like, um, and a lot of brands actually dictated these aspirational models as well. But these days, people are proud of their individuality and, you know, they're picking and choosing what passions are part of their identity. So, you know, a lot of these passions may not match, but you know, they're proud to have like diverse interests as well. With the rise of social media platforms that are very interest focused, uh, you know, algorithms feeding you more of what they think you like, uh, it's very easy to find online communities of like shared interests, right? So like anime communities, uh, you know, pet communities. Uh, and the thing is, is like, it's not one type of audience anymore. It's a, it's a whole group of people who enjoy the same one, the same thing. Um, you know, so a lot of these things sort of basically create the perfect storm for all, all entertainment, right? Gaming, uh, anime, you know, even sports. Mm. You mentioned like esports and gaming, which also very hot emerging area. Do you think anime is on par with that growing interest? Or if not, then why do you think it's overlooked? Or do you see that changing? I, I think what... We, we do see a lot of it changing. Um, with a lot of brands, what we see is that they have special teams or projects or initiatives that are all about discovering uh, new avenues for the brand to enter the market or new ways for the brand to reach out to new audiences or younger audiences. Um, so a lot of these teams or initiatives you know, will cover things like, okay, what can we do in gaming and esports? Uh, what can we do with influencers and streaming? Uh, and then, of course, anime is one of those things that uh, they've started exploring. I think, and, and it varies from market to market. So outside of Japan, right, very anime-saturated markets like China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, you know, have been doing anime collaborations for many, many years. So for them, the challenge is how do we do something bigger, better, more immersive and more exciting? Um, whereas maybe brand, brands in markets that are more traditional in their marketing, you know, are exploring this for the first time. They're exploring this alongside gaming, e-commerce, live streaming, um, all at the same time as well. Uh, you know, they're weighing and measuring and considering, uh, you know, what's the best fit for their brand and what works. You know, they want to test and learn what works best as well. Now I want to move the conversation into understanding who exactly is the anime fan. As I mentioned earlier, Brands are looking to anime as a gateway to communities of people who are exploring their passions and really championing it. So paint us a picture. I'm obviously not the anime 
fan. So who exactly is and what are some of the common misconceptions that brands historically had of this type of fan? I, I think, uh, you know, of course, the biggest misconception is um, the stereotypical otaku is the bulk of like the anime fandom when, you know, when in fact it could be more, you know, the, the anime fandom couldn't be more diverse um, right now. So I think, you know, since you say paint a picture, right, I think, you know, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Um, and, you know, imagine you're going to kind of like a convention center, anime expo, uh, comic con, you know, anime festival Asia, right? Even before you reach the venue, you see a lot of people and a lot of people are wearing costumes. It's a cosplay community, right? So a lot, cosplay community is one of like the biggest fandoms, uh, fan communities or sub communities right now. You know, people, uh, they love the style that they see in anime and manga. They want to, mimic their favorite characters. They want to dress up as their favorite characters. Um, a lot of them are content creators, but I think what we're seeing a lot of now is people who are not content creators, but they just love dressing up uh, and going to these events. It's, it's kind of like a little bit of like a Halloween vibe, right? And then you go in and you see rows and rows of like tables and stores. Uh, and you know what? Then you realize that there's such a big small business community in, uh, you know, within these fandoms, people who do uh, artwork and sell prints, people who do handicraft. You know, again, a lot of content creators uh, as well, people who uh, import merchandise from other countries, you know, to sell here as well. Um, and then when you look at the crowd, right, I think obviously there are people who are like head to toe, they love anime. You know, they have the anime t-shirt, uh, anime bag, anime keychain. Uh, they wear the cat ears, they have a bag full of merchandise. But it may not necessarily be otaku, right? They just love anime and they want to collect you know collect and surround themselves with anime stuff as well you know then it becomes a sliding scale right you see people who are maybe uh, less enthusiastic or people who look like um, you know just everyday normal people but you know they're here to enjoy the environment they're here to enjoy the culture of anime the community the community around anime uh, maybe watch a cosplay live performance as well and a lot of times they will gra gravitate towards oh what's my favorite title uh, can I get, you know, a souvenir from my, that's related to my favorite title as well? Um, and I think the last thing, which is that, you know, if you want to look at demographics and psychographics as well, and, and I think a lot of people forget this, is that there is a very big family element uh, to the anime community as well. So I think we're seeing a lot of people who are not, so it's not just kids who like it, but it's also parents who like anime and they enjoy it together with their kids. You know, and then on top of that, the last thing you see is brands who want to enter the space. So I think a lot of streaming brands like um, Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, and also publishing brands as well, would take the chance to go to these events and showcase, oh, you know, what's coming up, you know, on my streaming platform, you know, just to try and get like that anime audience as well. Before I ask you my follow-up, Robin, could you just explain what otaku is maybe to those who are not familiar with the term? So otaku is essentially kind of like... Um, like a geek, essentially. So basically, they love um, comic books. They love uh, anime and gaming. Uh, you know, and I, I think the expectation is usually, oh, they're a little bit socially awkward. It's very much kind of like the American perception of a geek as well. But I think even in US or Western media, the geek stereotype is kind of like a cool thing now. You've really painted a picture of and educated us about what is anime 
why do fans engage and love in it so much? So now let's talk about the opportunity for brands entering into this space. What do anime fans look for for brands who want to reach to them, reach them rather, in their anime fandom? Yeah, definitely. I think, and this is a very similar conversation to uh, you know when we talk about gaming or metaverse as well. I think uh, brand, brands in gaming and metaverse. I think uh, it's very easy to say, "Oh, be authentic to the audience," right? But really, what does that mean? Um, particularly for anime, I think it's not just balance. It's not just a balance of like. Or you're balancing the brand's uh, identity together with this identity of like an external IP. Uh, but I think what is really expected by the community is that, you know, when a brand and an anime title come together, you know, it's value add, right? They bring the best out of each other. You know, they bring something completely unexpected. You know, like a good example uh, could be as simple as like, oh, there's this character who has a sweet tooth and he's obsessed with desserts and treats. Uh, and then you use him in an ice cream campaign. Because it's meaningful to the title, it's meaningful to the character, and the brand is essentially saying, this character loves my ice cream too. Uh, you know, a bad example could be like what some luxury brands do uh, is, you know, they have like an expensive bag on an expensive wallet, and they just stick the character's design on it, and then that's it. You know, so, so that may only appeal to like a very small group of people, but a lot of times it's just not as authentic or it doesn't speak to both the anime and the brand enough to be a meaningful collaboration as well. And, and I think one other thing I'd like to mention, and uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of brands branching into uh, anime collaborations who experience this as well, is that there's a demand for very high quality of output. So if you have a collab, a, you know, a product collaboration, uh, you know, the quality needs to be top notch and, you know, Manga and anime publishers are very particular about this because, you know, it's their baby, it's their artwork. They want the output to be good and fans expect it to be good, which is why you seldom see sort of like uh, official low quality merchandise or uh, disposable merchandise as well. I love what you said about it being about the value add in these collaborations, because in the, at least in the ice cream example, I feel like the brand is helping the fan live their love for that character in real life, right? So you're fueling the love and extending that that relationship and that fandom even beyond the constraints of, you know, the the, the screen. Yes, exactly. Uh, in fact, that was actually um, what we did for KFC in China. So it was this, with this anime title called Gintama, which is all about cooking as well. So there was this one character who really loves desserts and he has blue hair. So... KFC actually did like a blue ice cream and then his face was printed on the code. That's a good segue into my next question, which is what are some of the top three ways you've seen brands successfully activate anime in their marketing plans? And what are some of the common pitfalls? I, I think definitely I'll give three examples that are kind of like on a scale. Um, I think definitely the gold standard is, of course, when a brand and a title have similar audiences and they come together and they create something completely new. Um, so like a really good example was our team uh, in Japan when they worked with Burberry. You know, the manga artist, she loved Burberry so much. She actually created a character called Lola, named after the famous Lola bag, a Lola handbag uh, in Burberry. And then we created a kind of like a one-off uh, manga booklet, you know, which talked about Lola and how she, you know, embodies her, you know, she's a fashion model. She embodies 
the personality from the clothing she wears, which is all about like adventure and exploring the unknown. Um, you know, again, this is like the gold standard of like when a brand and a title come together to create something completely new. The vast majority of work that you will see out there is where a brand and a title works together and they create a new experience. Um, in a lot of these examples, you will see that um, a lot of the artwork that's used is actually existing either in the anime or in the manga uh, already. So um, one really great example was our team did a launch together with Pizza Hut and Attack on Titan in Taiwan, uh, where you know it's all about like gigantic pizza and big meals. But a lot of the artwork that's used is you know, from existing assets, you know, are existing assets. Uh, but, you know, it's been applied to the restaurant. It's been applied to the website, the box. So every part of the consumer journey, and it creates like a very immersive brand experience that is both Attack on Titan as well as Pizza Hut. Uh, and then, of course, there's like very, uh, you know, very fast, casual, but very community-driven ways that brands can interact. So uh, a great example, uh, I know I'm talking a lot about you know, talking about a lot of fast food. So uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and KFC, right? So uh, in the recent uh, you know, mid-series finale, you know, there's a scene where two characters, they kind of like break up and they're no longer friends, right? Because one becomes evil and one has to stay good. Uh, and they sort of break up in front of uh, KFC, in, you know, in the anime. Well, in, in the anime, it's not KFC, it's KIC. Uh, but when that scene came out, KFC posted on, you know, their Twitter. This scene was even harder to watch from behind the counter. Oof. Sorry to interrupt, but I feel like that <laughs> that tagline <laughs> deserves a, a reaction. That that's quite that's really good copywriting and good um spot uh spotting of a moment to participate. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And I think. You know, why it's such a great example is that it speaks to the story. It speaks to why the friends care about that moment in the series. So, I mean, you've mentioned some successful examples, but what are some of the common pitfalls that you've seen um, for brands trying to experiment in this space? I, I think pitfalls tend to be, I think, uh, you, you know, like I've mentioned, right? I think the it, it's important to be very respectful to the publisher, the artist and the editor. Um, so a lot of times some, you know, some brands will be like overly creative. They want to do things that fall outside the story, uh, and they're overly ambitious. Right. And then I think they're, they're not as, uh, you know, not, not very courteous to sort of like the artists and everything. And then, you know, they get frustrated when all their work and all their proposals get rejected. Right. Um, I think it's important to understand that a lot of these manga and anime publishers, they essentially behave like artists. You know, they're not like Western uh, IP holders where like, oh, it's a vendor and it's just about the amount of money that you pay. You know, these artists actually care about their work and how the work is used. You know, the second thing I think is also uh, managing the expectation of how much time is needed. So again, I think for us in the marketing industry, you could consider this bad, good or bad, but I think we are also very complacent with like our pace. You know, we do everything very fast, everything around us. You know, all our partners and vendors around us uh, work at our speed as well. I think because a lot of publishers, you know, they're not in the marketing industry. They're not in the agency industry. They don't work at our pace. So I think definitely one piece of advice I could give is buffer plenty of time, you know, to do all the many levels of like approval and negotiations that, you know, that are needed as well. Uh, and I think also the last thing 
uh, is don't think of it as a shortcut. You know, I think like like I mentioned, I think we've seen some brands where uh, they do this thing where okay, as long as I stick this character on my brand on my product, it will sell well. You know, try not to think of it as a shortcut in that way. I think because you're not just licensing out oh characters and the visuals, you're actually getting your brand involved with the story as well. In that sense, so I think. That's the way we need to kind of think about it. That's super fascinating. And, you know, again, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, this idea of the distinctive brand asset. Usually people think about it as logos, um, you know, sounds and whatnot. But I feel like what I'm hearing from you is that at least when you're doing anime, like story is a brand asset. Well, it's an anime asset, but it can also be a brand asset. Does that make sense or an interesting way to think about it? Yes, uh, it, it is interesting because it's sort of like, it's the key thing that you need to consider to get everything else right. You, you know, like if, if you did an anime collaboration and you only did just the visuals uh, and you didn't consider the story, sure, I think that's okay. You know, sometimes that will get approved. Uh, but again, it's not a collaboration that is very deep. That leads me to the next question, which is, yes, there are all these opportunities in anime, but as you mentioned, you know, you need to be dedicated to the story. It takes a lot longer maybe than your typical collaboration with an influencer or a creator. So make the case, like, why should brands then pick an anime brand ambassador for their marketing campaigns? Yes, de- definitely. And again, this is something that we see in um, a lot of our anime-saturated markets, Hong Kong, Taiwan, China. You know, especially when, like, the population is so big and uh, very into entertainment, right? I think a lot of times br- what we see is that a lot of brands are moving away from celebrity brand ambassadors or, uh, you know, if they use influencers, it's on a, like a very uh, micro scale for the purpose of amplification, right? A lot of it has to do with brand safety. So like uh, in China or Taiwan, if you have a brand ambassador who's a celebrity and a week after your campaign, the celebrity gets caught in a scandal, uh, or something happens, right? Then, you you know, I think the audience some in those markets are somehow not as forgiving uh, to the brand who supports, you know, this nasty celebrity, right? Um, so I think a lot of brands in these markets are looking for IPs to work with. Uh, and it need not be anime. It could be other IPs or other brands as well uh, to do brand collaborations with because, you know, it, one is that it's all about brand safety, uh, two, you know, you could do a lot more with an IP visually rather than just with uh, a celebrity or an influencer as well. It's not that celebrities and influencers are on the way out, but it's sort of more like their role in the marketing funnel will change the moment a brand wants to do a brand collaboration or an IP collaboration. I want to bring in something, I think you've mentioned it earlier, but I know we've spoken about it, which is because anime started with print, you know, has these um, going into streaming and whatnot. There's already product testing baked into the fandom. So in a way, you're a bit guaranteed for success, bearing any cultural faux pas. Would that be also another advantage of maybe picking an anime as a brand ambassador? Yeah, that's true. Um and again, a lot of it is like uh, staying true to, you know, true to the story, true to the character as well. And, you know, all that in mind, yes, I think you're, you're totally right. I think, um, you know, then comes sort of like the discussion of like, oh, which character do I pick? Which title do I pick? You know, and a lot of that goes through many rounds of like, 
negotiations and proposals, you know, to get that right and to get it perfect as well. Which is a great segue into my last question. So for our listeners who want to start integrating anime into their plans, what should be their first step? For example, this is just a prompt, but like how can brands pick the right title and characters to work with? I think definitely for one, um, be very clear on what your goals are. So I think the the kind of brand purpose or like, uh, you know, brand, I, I don't want to say KPI, right? A goal that they want to get out of an anime collaboration. Collaboration usually falls in two buckets. Uh, one is that they want to do a uh, product promotion, right? They want to promote a the product. They want to move product. Uh, you know, they want to put characters on their product so that it will sell more or they want to increase their e-commerce basket size, right? So it could be uh, a special anime packaging, anime theme packaging uh, that you can only get on e-commerce, for example. Um, so that is a very kind of like product promotional uh, driven kind of like outcome. Uh, and then the other is I think what you see a lot of, what you're starting to see, what we're starting to see a lot of, especially with like fashion and luxury brands, which is, you know, when designers and uh you know, and anime artists come together, what can they create? Um, and a lot of these are really more focused on where the brand sits with the consumer. Uh, because these brands, they want to reach out to younger audiences. They want to be associated with pop culture, you know. So I think, and they want, you know, new audiences to love them as well. So I think be very clear on what your goal is. Um, and then I think with, you know, with picking a title, you know, there's, there's definitely many ways to go about it. Um, some brands want to go with like what's popular on streaming now or what will be popular in the coming months, you know, and we also know that there will be a lot of, uh, high production anime movies coming in the next few years as well. You know, that's one approach, right? Finding out what's popular, what's hot right now and finding out what that community, why that community loves it. Uh, but also, um, finding the titles that are universally loved. And these could be really old titles like Ultraman. Gundam, Sailor Moon, uh, you know, all these titles are such a big part of like the anime culture, you know, they're loved by like a very big and long-standing audience as well. So I think th those are the things to consider. And I think the last thing to consider is, you know, why does the community love uh, this title or why do they love this character and what do they love about this character? Is it the art style? Is it the story? Uh, is it the personality of the character? So, you know, it's consumer research in a sense, but I think finding out what the, why the community loves it will help guide you to being uh, authentic and true to the title as well. Thank you so much, Robin, for your time in educating myself and our audience about what anime is and the opportunities that it can bring to marketers to reach new consumers. For those who want more information, please go on uh, wark.com. Robin has written a piece for us. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe to the WARC podcast. Chat with you guys again soon.